Welcome to Behind the Case, an ACG Case Records Journal podcast, brought to you by the American College of Gastroenterology. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Roberto Simons Linares, Editor-in-Chief of the ACG Case Reports Journal and a GI Fellow at the Cleveland Clinic. I would like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Matt Chin, who is the author of a trainee-focused editorial published in our journal. He's currently a therapeutic endoscopist at the John Moyer Medical Center, and he's also a former editor of our journal. And when he was a fellow, he wrote a nice editorial that we're going to be discussing today. Welcome, Matt, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Roberto, for the chance to talk about this article. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you. So Matt's article is entitled key to success in the match, the rank order list, which is a very important topic that trainees are probably looking for advice and input. So we hope this discussion is going to be very useful. So Matt, could you please summarize the topic of your editorial for the audience? Yes. So in 2016, when I was a fellow and writing uh, this editorial, you know, this was around the time uh, similar to now when residents and colleagues were applying for fellowship. And I found myself being asked the same questions, you know, for advice on how to go through this process by a number of my colleagues. And I felt like it would be a good idea just to kind of summarize, put into writing some advice that I found myself frequently giving to help guide. Uh, people through this this process. Do you think, Matt, that GI fellowship is still one of the most competitive fellowships? And if yes, why do you think it, this is true? I do think that GI fellowship remains very competitive. I, you know, at the time when I was applying for fellowship, and also now, I continue to feel that gastroenterology is an immensely rewarding specialty, and it provides a number of different clinical uh, environments to practice in, a rich diversity of pathology. And uh, that's something that I think appeals to physicians who are looking to, to practice uh, in this kind of dynamic manner. I think that objectively, if you were to look at the NRMP, the National Resident Matching Program data, I think that that also bears out in their data. There's, there's no question that gastroenterology is among the most uh, competitive specialties that are within that match. No, I agree. That data from NRMP is pretty useful. I think the dynamics of GI being, you know, the clinical side, but also the procedural side is pretty attractive for trainees and it's a great field to go into. Now, in your editorial, you summarize your approach to the ranking list point by point. That was a really nicely written. So let's start by the first point that you call be informed. What does that mean, Matt? So I think just like making a, a match list, just like approaching this sort of problem of matching into fellowship, it's just like approaching a complex medical case. And it's important to start with just sort of understanding the problem and trying to get as much information about how the match works as possible. You know, you have this challenge, you have this uh, problem that you're trying to solve of how to match. And to, to figure out how to solve that problem, you have to first understand the mechanics of how that problem is made. For people who are interested in the match, it's important to kind of understand, again, kind of how that works. Now, the next point that you mentioned was be organized, and you wrote about that, and do you mind explaining that to the audience? Absolutely. I think the importance of being organized 
really kind of speaks to the complexity of all of the different programs that one applies to that you just referenced. I think that the NRMP data suggests that you know successful applicants in the match have ranked as many as 10 or more programs. And, you know, these are oftentimes very different programs in terms of clinical settings, subspecialties, size, research opportunities, mentoring opportunities. And this is all at the end of a long interview season. It's difficult to look back on all of the programs that one has interviewed with and ascertain what these differences really are. And so I think it it's absolutely critical kind of as you're going through the interview season to in real time keep track of everything from as i said the the number of fellows per year the frequency of the call schedule the, the number of clinical sites everywhere to you know those objective information to also the subjective sort of feeling you get you know just kind of walking through the hospital and talking to the fellows and the and the attendants that that work there Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And then you also, you know, in the next point in your editorial, it's labeled as be aware. And that was very catchy. And, and you talk about rules, right? Strict rules. And you kind of compare NRMP. If the program doesn't respect the rules of NRMP, can this correlate with the program not respecting like ACGME rules, etc., which was, I thought it was pretty useful. So can you tell us what were you thinking when you wrote that? Applicants oftentimes feel vulnerable and exposed kind of as going through the match process. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a normal sort of feeling when you have this perceived imbalance in, in power between the applicant and, and the program. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand that the NRMP has very strict guidelines that dictate appropriate behavior between programs and the applicants. Mm -hmm. And it's important to use those guidelines to your advantage as protection against potential abuse from, from programs. I think sometimes programs may ask you some more personal questions. Maybe they don't have bad intention. And again, I think for applicants, it's useful to, you know, I remember going through the interview trail. They will ask you, like, are you planning to have kids? And is that going to be at the beginning of fellowship or like later? And I was like, to be honest, I am not married. But like someone was like, oh, but that doesn't mean you cannot have kids, which is true. <laughs> but I was right. like, no, I mean, I don't think so. But, you know, I didn't take it wrong. But. I think for applicants, yeah, you, you have to be careful and that you... Even, I would agree, it's important to be aware and informed. But to be clear as well, during the interview day, when you're sitting one-on-one -on -one with an interviewee, if you feel like if they're in any way kind of violating these rules, whether it be willfully or, or not, as mm -hmm. you say, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call out the interviewer or <laughs> exactly. Or it's just... Is it something that one has to be kind of aware if this is a program that might not respect the rules of the exactly. match? You know, exactly. this is somewhere, this is a job that you're looking to stay at for several years and challenging years, you know, a GI fellowship and a program that doesn't respect the rules of the match, again, as I had said, may not respect ACGME requirements that then protect trainees during those educational years. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a really good point. Now, can an applicant let the program know that like your program is probably my top or my number one is what do you think about that? So I think that that is fair game within the rules of the match. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that it's important as an applicant, if you choose to do that, if you choose to send a, a letter to a program director saying that you are my number one choice, it is, I think, critically important that you are being honest when you say that. Exactly. Because I do think that the community of program directors who run these fellowships is, is very small and word 
can and will get out if you are telling every program you're my number one you're my number one <laughs> and you could do yourself a lot of harm if you're not being truthful absolutely you can only harm yourself if you're telling you're my number one or my top choice to multiple programs yeah no that's good mm -hmm. now you also mentioned and you talk about being communication right so what does that mean what what do you recommend to trainees for that so i think that this is actually important advice not just for trainees who are going through the match but anyone who's going through any interview that the interview really doesn't end on the interview day and i think that I was actually surprised after I got into fellowship and then later went back to be on some of these application committees. I was surprised by actually how few applicants would then send a thank you letter or reach out after the interview process, after the interview day. And I think that those people who did reach out, that actually stood out as, as, a, as a big positive. And again, that's true not just of the match, but also after fellowship when you're going to apply to other jobs. I think that showing your eagerness and demonstrating your interest with ongoing communications within limits, of course. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, <laughs> you need to be calling around the clock <laughs> emails, you know, uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah. But I, I think that reaching out after the interview day to programs that you're interested in only helps. I totally agree. I mean, keeping the lines of communication, like you say, with some limits, you know, it's not a weekly basis email, but I think that demonstrate your interest for that program and at least on your, you know, your top, I don't know, five or your top programs, keeping lines of communication. Also, you know, you get updates. The interview process since you apply until the match is kind of like a six month timeline. So you may have updates on your papers, on your grants or something that you apply or something, you know, some, some achievements achievements that I think it's not about bragging, but I think it's important to let them know, you know, I, I was able to get this. And I think those updates are important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think if that is the case, if there's new items for your CV, new accomplishments, I think that also demonstrates that you're someone who, even though you're going through this match and many people consider this kind of step in their training to be over, it shows that you're continuing to invest and continue to self-improve. Um, and I think that that's something that program directors like. Absolutely. Now, moving on to the next point, it's be committed. So what does that mean, Matt? The NRMP data for 2018 showed that U.S. applicants who applied to the match and successfully matched ranked 10 programs on average. And I think that when I say be committed, when I applied to fellowship, mm -hmm. when I ranked, I ranked like 15 programs, right? To me, it was actually really important. I was fully committed to a career in gastroenterology. And I think that if you're someone who truly feels passionate about this specialty and this process, your odds of, of a successful match in a fellowship directly correlate with, you know, how many programs you rank. So, you know, it's certainly true that you shouldn't rank a program if you don't see yourself, mm -hmm. you know, having a successful fellowship there. But fellowship is only a few years. And even if programs have small negatives, if it's something that you can see yourself still succeeding in, mm -hmm. I think one has to kind of think beyond just fellowship to kind of their whole career afterwards um, when, when going through the match and fully commit to the specialty on the rank list uh, submission day. 
I agree. I mean, you shouldn't even go interview if you don't see yourself right in that program. But we have different priorities. And again, sometimes you may not get as many interviews. And I understand that. But I think, like you said, if you, after interviewing, after talking, after making your mind, if you really do not see yourself in certain program, then, you know, you should not commit. Because once you put in the rank list and you end, end up in that program, you are committed. I think no program is perfect and you just have to kind of make your list of your priorities what's important to you and where where you see yourself uh, succeed so now moving on math i think this is my favorite part of your editorial and you call it be true yourself so what do you mean by that when you're applying for fellowship and making up your match list i think when i was applying for fellowship and making up my match list i found that there was really no shortage of people around me who were willing to and eager, I should say, to give advice and input into my list. And certainly all that advice was welcome and valuable. But ultimately, the rank list that you make is your rank list and should reflect your true priorities, not your mentors, not your families, not your friends. You will be the one that is going through this fellowship who will be spending three or more years of your life in, in training. And you need to be the one who's ultimately happy with where you end up. You know, so I think many people who, who apply for GI fellowship come from robust academic focused medical residency programs and very research heavy. But many people during that experience in residency might have learned that that career, mm-hmm. uh, a research-heavy career, might not be right for them. And you should take those experiences that you've learned in residency and apply them to how you see yourself succeeding in fellowship and be, just be true to kind of your real wishes and desires. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Truly, fellowship is very different to residency or other trainings in a way that it's a small group of people. You know, some programs have two fellows per year or on average three, four. And if you think about it, it's just 12, 15 people. You get very close with them. It's like a family to you. You spend, you know, so much time with your co-fellows and leadership. So I think it's important to be yourself and to find that home for you to train. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I think you really want to be in a place where your mentors uh, are going to support you, right? Are going to support like what you really want to become. And then the final point in your editorial is called be happy with your decision. So what, what do you mean by that, Matt? So the second you submit your rank order list, that decision is out of your hands at that point. And it's going to be several weeks until match day, if not longer. I'm actually admittedly not that certain uh, what the current sort of delay is between the rank order. It's it's probably a month or more. Yeah, yeah, probably. So after you submit your rank order list, everything is out of your hands. So try as best that you can to put the match out of your mind and return to your responsibilities as a resident, as a, a husband, a wife, a father, mm-hmm. a mother, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, and <laughs> occupy yourself with the other mm-hmm. things that make your life rich yeah. while, while you wait for the, Absolutely. the match, uh, process to run its course. Matt, from all the points that we've been talking about, what's your favorite or like the most important that you think if you had to pick one? No, I agree with you that being true to to oneself, I think, is the most important part of this process. And I think that 
people who struggle with coming up with their match list, that struggle comes from reconciling some of the inner struggle pulling you one way or another. And I think many people kind of know deep down inside what their true sort of uh, honest desires are when it comes to the rank list, but try to talk themselves out of that for one way or another. I think it's really important that you you be honest in your decision about what your, where your priorities lie. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What do you think is the most challenging part of this ranking list for you? Just the process of going through the interviews, I think, is is challenging. It's physically and mentally and mm -hmm. spiritually, you know, <laughs> financially demanding. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's why it's important as you go through the interview process uh, to try to keep yourself as organized as possible because at the end of the interview day, you, you might not even remember what city you're in anymore <laughs> because it's just, uh, it, can be, it can be a whirlwind process. Matt, could you please summarize what are the take-home points from, from your article for all the trainees and that are listening to us? You know, I would want the audience to take away that everyone who goes through the match struggles with it. It's, it's not designed to be an easy or, or natural sort of process. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to feel a little bit lost and overwhelmed. And it's my hope that this uh, article provides at least, you know, some guidance through this, this process. Absolutely. It's a hard process. You just have to go through it, do your best, don't stress, forget the rest. That's what I would say. <laughs> uh, I always like to ask a non-medical question to our uh, guests uh, to get to know you a little better. So Matt, tell us something about you that most people don't know. Well, I think most people who are listening to the podcast, you know, probably don't know that you know, I'm a father of two. Mm. My uh, youngest uh, just turned one. And I think that having children, actually, it helps to have a list like this as well. That'll kind of <laughs> you know, some semblance of, of sanity. So, you know, life, life goes on after the match and after mm -hmm. fellowship. And, you know, there's, a, there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Matt, for joining us today. And uh, thank you to the audience for listening and until next episode.